Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji as always for the recap of Stage 8 of the Vuelta a España. Another sprint stage, the fourth in this Vuelta first week. It's a Saturday. A little bit surprising the way they've arranged it. I think maybe the organisers would have preferred to reverse the action yesterday with today's stage. Nonetheless, today's stage was yeah, 174 k's long. There was a couple of short climbs in the middle. They were of no moment, and it was all about to finish. There's a right-hand sweeping bend, no need to break or anything like that in the last 200 metres. So you don't want to be first wheel through there, but you want to be jumping pretty sharpish out of that corner. Similar, remind me a lot of the uh, the corner where Sagan beat Gaviria uh, in the Gira, maybe a bit, a little bit longer from the corner than that. But before we get into Benji's um, breakaway machinations with Pro Conti Spanish riders, uh, I'll mention our show partner, Lacole. As I said, they produce performance cycling apparel produced at the base of Monte Grappa in Italy, and they've got a sale on at the moment for which the LR Vuelta 20, LR Vuelta 20, all caps, discount code applies to. So there's discount, apply the 20% discount code, and you get another 20% off. So there's some pretty handy deals to be had at the moment. So thanks, Lacole, for supporting the podcast. Now onto Benji's Basque riders up front or well, some of them were Basque yeah Okamika and the breakaway Bagues and Ituria and that breakaway well got a bit of a gap of two minutes three minutes like usual we had the usual suspects in the peloton the sprinting teams willing to set up one rider at the front to keep the tempo going for that initial part of the stage during the stage itself yeah pretty boring I ended up doing something else and I turned back with about 40k to go because I knew there was a corner coming somewhere where echelons could happen, and I was curious whether it would happen. And with 38 kilometers to go, that's where uh, action started happening, because Astana moved to the front with Freyla, and Freyla started hitting it after a 90 degrees right corner, straight into a, well, open section when it comes to wind. And crosswinds were possible, but the wind was just not very strong. But we had some stuff happening and once again every single echelon section in this entire Vuelta so far which team is at the back of the group you have education first <laughs> who is in the last echelon you have education first now the split ups were pretty chaotic for like 20 seconds uh, i don't think it was that much longer yeah. right no i don't think so i wasn't too fast because you see when they, they there's a second section where they came out of a town again and then a start another the second time after there'd already been a split, and I think a team on the right, Astana or someone, they start sprinting like, okay, this is going to be a crosswind section. And then you see the rider on front looking around, oh, actually, which side of the road do I go on to for the best shelter <laughs> from the wind? And if you're having to do that, that means the wind isn't strong enough. So, <laughs> so Ineos are on the left side. I'm doing their own train. Uh, what I want to ask you, Benji, is mountain stage tomorrow, 13K, 7.5%, pure mountain top finish, breakaway possible with Roglic allergic to the red jersey at the moment. Why are Alperson having Jay Vine flog himself on the front today? Is it something they just have to do to set up Philipson? Did they really need to keep the break? They kept it tight, like at one minute, one you know, one thirty. He's now going to be going against Padun, who took a, a rest day yesterday, and then nowhere to be seen today. And in the Dauphiné, I remember Padun was asked to he had to pull on the front for Colbrelli, and he couldn't put, couldn't or wouldn't pull very strong, like. Yeah, I'm just saying, is that, is that a criticism, worthy of criticism? Is it just inevitability or do you think it doesn't matter for Vine's chances tomorrow anyway? I think when it comes to this Vuelta, Philipson is their main candidate to get stage wins. And I think an opportunity of Vine being in the breakaway 
to compete for a stage might not be worth having him not base there. But then again, it's only a, a three-rider breakaway of, of riders from Spanish wildcard teams. So that's the counter-argument to that. But if they don't put somebody at the front, then the Koenig could say, well, you're not even bothered to put somebody at the front. And there could be a bit of a quarrel there. So I, I won't see it as criticism, really, because I would expect somebody at Alpecin to do that work. And I'm not surprised that Vine has to do it because he's still on his way up and he still has to prove himself during this Grand Tour despite his opportunity in the breakaway yesterday being a grandiose adventure because he was in the break until uh, that second group got a... Well, until Storer and Sivakov had their moment and he was in the second group there. So still a great stage by him. And I think that slowly but surely his reputation in that is going to get better and better. And at a certain point, Alperson must realize that he can give them something in breakaway stages, and I'm uh, I'm expecting that moment to happen. I know I don't know when, but I'm not necessarily going to blame them to use him for uh, a potential stage when a Philipson a rider who has already won two stages in this Grand Tour. And De Koenig were doing the same thing with James Knox as well. They'd probably be trying to do get into similar breaks as well. They're not, you know, everyone's got to chip in, I guess. And they did a good job of it. I think if you're a World Tour team and you, you know. Vine on 100k just seems like a no a no-brainer to me, but that's more for off-season discussions later. Break wasn't the break got caught by the, the uh, echelon action. Chicone got brought back. Benji's man JP Lopez actually is being a good domestique so far for Trek Segafredo, and so we now had the nervous run into the finish. Or like all the previous stages, sprint stages, the break is caught really late, and so the peloton. Uh, sorry, the break is caught very early, 30k's to go. And it's a bit nervous. I was hoping, thank God, there were no crashes today in the run-in. Yumbo Visma weren't at the front. That Yumbo in the run-in, Benji, I think I actually want to commend them on what they're now deciding to do. I think if you really? can't if you can't stay at the front, like mm-hmm. Egan Bernal, slap bang, single file, no one around you, fourth wheel behind Dylan Van Baal safe. If you can't do that, I think it is more dangerous to try and force your way from 30th wheel in the gutter trying to get up there, trying to get up there yourself. That's how he had the incident with Cole Braley. I think what the, what I saw, I mean, I don't know why he's sitting in front of his teammates, but to me it seems like he's sitting now almost in a Yates position with eight Ks to go and leaving a fair big gap. He's still getting a big draft effect on this flat and he's sort of staying out of the mix entirely at the back. I still think that is better if his team's not good enough to keep him at the front than trying to move up and bumping shoulders. I get that point, but being in that situation, being in that position, just behind the likes of a Bora train who's trying to move up on the left side together with Alperson, for example, in the lead-up of a sprint, well, it showed today that there was a certain moment where a Bora rider was getting pinched by a rider on the left side, and that caused him to move right, and Roglic had to evade, otherwise he would have crashed there. And perhaps, yeah, that gap he had on that rider was the reason that he was able to stay upright, but it's still a position in the peloton where stuff can happen and crashes regularly happen in that place. It's indeed a lottery. And I think that's why Ineos wants that front place. But like you said, Yumbo is not able to give that to Roglic right now in the same way that Ineos can't perform that with Van Bale keeping Bernal at the front of the peloton. So yeah, it's a lottery, but uh, I get what you mean and I don't actually know what to say about it. Well, they're just getting lucky so far. I mean, they mm-hmm. uh, he avoided the big crash on the other stage, the Bardet crash. So there's been close moments, 
and yeah, it's like they're playing Russian roulette a little bit. But I still think it's better than trying to force something yourself. I, I think you just got to accept where you are at that point. But anyway, something to watch. The sprint, obviously going to be a sprint. We have the favourites being Jakobsen and Philipsen. I think now it's clearly a cut above Demar from my perspective. Uh, I think we, Benji and I went opposing picks last night, so neither of us, so the pot as itself could be right. Um, particularly when I'm wrong, it's the pot. We always do that. The pod is correct <laughs> when I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> when I'm so, wrong as well. <laughs> the Koenig presented very early. I've been a bit critical of their lead out so far. Five Ks to go. They come to the front. I'm like, five Ks with three men plus Fabio a bit early. It was. They then got Swarm Genius, Luxembourg national champ, comes over the front, saves them a little bit for FDJ. And FDJ were looking good. Two men plus Damar, a Guarneri last man who's looking in good shape, going under the Flamme Rouge. De Koenig then have had to – they've been left on the front now with, I think, Van uh, or then Seneschal. Fabio is deep, really out of position, uh, deep in the peloton. You were watching Alperson Benji. Like what happened with their lead out today? Is it a matter of them just getting pinched on the left and they, and they couldn't do their patented move up late with three men sort of move? Yeah, usually that's something you see uh, the Koenig do in certain stages where they move up late and they're still in the middle with like 3k to go. But today Alperson was caught out on the left side of the road and they got extra caught out when Demar had his five-man train move up on the right side of the road and move the peloton towards the left side of the road. And that caused Demar to be at the front with his five-man train. On the left side of that, you've got the, the Koenig train and just behind that, you've got the train with Alperson. And there's obviously Bora trying to get in there as well with three, four riders. So it's going to be hard for Alperson to move up unless the gap opens up on the left side of the road and they can move up. And that happened at a certain point. At a certain point, the gap went open and the peloton moved a bit to the right side of the road. And one of the Alperson riders was able to pull through. But then an Israel rider was ahead of the other Alperson rider or ahead of Philipson himself, actually. And that caused the second Alpsen rider to was to be like, okay, I can't make this move because Israel rider is blocking Philipson. This is not a great idea. And he waited and the peloton went to the left again. Alpsen rider was at the front. He was like, okay, I've lost my train. That's not ideal. And Philipson had to do another move. He had to have Krieger guide him to the opposite side of the road. Like, I don't know how they do this. Like, there's an entire <laughs> peloton right there and they were able to traverse it horizontally across the road and move up on the other side of the road through people. And that's what Alpsen tried to do right here. And, uh, well, did it work or did it not? Like, it, it sort of did. It did work. Like, they made the best of a bad situation. As Benji said, almost the worst thing happened where your, your train is disrupted because a hole opens up and then it's shut on you halfway through. Damar, I thought, was in the best posse. K to go, two men plus Guarnieri and De Koenig are leading, leading them out. Milano was in a really good spot too. Matthews is having Mezgets lead him out. Mayus has got a lead out as well in the middle. So everyone, in my view, is in a better position than Jakobsen. And then Philipson is, is in an even more dire position with about a kilometer to go. And really, really, there's no excuse for Damar and Milano, frankly. Damar loses the wheel of his lead out man a little bit on the left-hand side of the barriers, coming into about 500 meters to go. And it's Florian Seneschal who takes over a long pool he did a really good second last man job in Paranese Stage 5, which I always refer to. But I'm looking front on image, and then Bert van Leeberg is looking around, where's Fabio? 
Fabio comes off his wheel. He's moved over to Philipson's wheel, who's been brought up by Krieger, as I, as Benji said. And so there's no real connection between Fabio or Seneschal. I mean, Seneschal's doing a good job if Fabio was, was third wheel. He wasn't. Fabio then slips back in, and we now have, with 500 metres to go, if my eyes serve me correctly, Seneschal, Guarnieri, uh, Molano, Meus, Matthews, Minali, Philipson, Jakobsen, Dainese, Damar. That's how far back Damar was off Guarnieri's wheel, so not ideal for him at all. And then through this right-hand bend, Guarnieri takes over from Seneschal. It's almost like they're working on the same team, doing a perfect lead-out for Jakobsen, who wasn't in third wheel. And then Milano just can't come out of the wheel. He doesn't launch early. And Jakobsen at 180 sprints early through the middle. He had a gap. He's like, I'm going to not get boxed in when maybe Milano comes out of the wheel and swings across, goes early. Dainese puts Philipson off Jakobsen's wheel and Jakobsen wins pretty comfortably, to be honest, by three quarters of a bike length. I think... I think he got – well, he literally did get the jump. I don't think so, Benji. He got the jump on Philipson, who I think was trying to get led out by Minali or Matthews and then switched off too late. And then, But then what's your view? Do you think even if he was in Jakobsen's wheel, 170 metres, pure sprint, do you think Philipson can even beat Jakobsen in that situation? I don't think so. I think Jakobsen is the better sprinter compared to Philipson. I think we've now had four sprints in which Jakobsen has been in a competitive position – I think today was the most competitive position he was in pre-sprint compared to all the ones he's had before. And it wasn't even that great. It was sixth or seventh position in the last corner. So this is not an ideal position to start your sprint in. Neither was Philipson. But in the previous ones, he was in the one he won. He had to move into the inner corner as well to try and move up just very, very late just before the sprint. And that allowed him to take that stage. But the other two, he was not in a position at all to make it happen and still had a decent result at the end of the stage. So I feel like Jakobsen is the better sprinter of the two. Philipson on the opposite end today had to do a lot of trouble to move to the front, but that was the same as Jakobsen, to be honest. It's just the fact that perhaps Philipson had to do more in the wind on the right side of the peloton to move up together with Krieger, but I think Jakobsen had to mingle himself left and right as well to move up in the last portion of the race because he was not on the wheel of Seneschal, like you mentioned. So, yeah, I've got the feeling that, in general, I see Jakobsen as the better sprinter compared to Philipson, and Alpesen has the better lead-out. But today, that lead-out was not really doing the perfect thing or was called out at a certain point, and they couldn't save it properly. Well, they saved it relatively, but not amazingly. Dainese, no go ahead. Sorry, Dainese is looking. I don't know. Is, do you think he's a guy, Benji, who's getting these top three results off the back of being in the right wheels, following those wheels, but he's never going to be able to actually come out of the wheel and win? That's my view. I think he's in the right wheels, and then he's using that draft timing, etc. But there's, I don't think he's going to be able to. Well, he literally didn't, right? Philipson let him out the other day <laughs> for like 150 metres and he couldn't come out of the wheel. Uh, but I should do the top 10 for completeness. Jakobsen first, Dainese second, Philipson, then Maus Itamar Einhorn for Israel Startup Nation. Chimalai abandoned today. I don't know why. I hope he's okay. I think a lot of us were somewhat surprised given the sprint field here that he wasn't their chosen sprinter, uh, but sometimes he does need a bit of a climb. Chimalai, Demar sixth, Matthew seventh, I, uh, Martin Lass eighth. 
Alligat ninth and Aberastri tenth. So you know my honest view, Benji? I think Martin Lars a bit better than Jordi Mayus. Um, I think he could get top threes if they let him have one. I don't know. <laughs> you haven't watched I, Jordy Mayer's V. Martin Lars hasn't been keeping up at night. Who's the better <laughs> third-tier sprinter? <laughs> in all honest opinion, I couldn't care less because <laughs> I forgot Mayer's was here due to his crash in the early stages. Then suddenly <laughs> they were doing lead-out today and I was like, oh yeah, Mayer's is here. They might be doing it for him or Lars. Let's see who they are going for. And it seems like they eventually ended up doing it for Mayer's. I'm glad that they're doing it for Mayer's because Lars is older. And I think that I prefer it if an older person is doing a lead out for a younger person when their level in sprinting is roughly the same because Mavis has more potential on paper. Yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> what Either happened way, to Milano, by the way? I don't know. We're seeing reports on, on Twitter, I think, that uh, Milano was relegated in this sprint, and which is weird because we're the relegation police, so we hadn't made a verdict yet about anything. And we, ca- I can't even see anything bad. He's in Guarneri's wheel. Yeah. And he, like, couldn't do anything. <laughs> like, he's a bad sprint from him. But he doesn't rub shoulders with anyone. I don't see him even, like, I was like, oh, did he swing out of Guarneri's wheel trying to follow Philipson and chop someone? I can't really see that. But there's no overhead. We've not had much overhead shots. I, I really can't see anything he's done. Uh, maybe it must be for something in before the last kilometer, Benji. I rewatched the entire 1.5 last kilometers while you were ranting on about who won the stage, so didn't listen at all. But Milano, I don't see anything odd happen at all. He was in the wheel of his lead out from 1.5 to 1K to go, and then eventually he had to worm his way through, but on a pretty normal manner, still in the wheel of his lead out. And in the last portion, he just moves to the left side of the road, doesn't really pinch anyone, and goes on to that train in which Jakobsen is a few wheels deeper so i don't see it i genuinely cannot tell what happened by the way we forgot to talk about Yetzibol's attack i actually quite liked it um <laughs> i don't mind the last 1500 meter suicide attack because it, it looks good i was like oh wild card team yeah I, mean, I, don't, I don't mind it I, when it's like at 15 k's i'm like nah that's a waste of time but the last 1500 meters who knows probably still won't work and it definitely didn't uh but yeah that's the Another sprint stage, 2-2 two, two for Jakobsen against Philipson. Four sprints so far. Tomorrow we have a mountain stage on the Sunday, thankfully, uh, which is up to, I think it's called Verifique. 190 kilometers long, quite long. Again, we always say this, the breakaway, I think bring a buddy. If you're a climber, you want to bring a ruler friend because – it's false flat, downhill, then rolly uphill, 10.6 Ks at 3.6%. Um, the first climb, that's nothing too terrifying or good for the climbers. Then the middle climb is 30 kilometers long, 30 kilometers long at 4.3%, but it has a descent in it that's steeper. There's a 6K, 9% section where you need to be a really good climber. Descent, then a 7K, 4% climb, which is also, all these climbs are really irregular. Then a descent, and it's the final climb, which is quite regular. Velofique, 13K is 7.2%, maybe a little bit steeper in sections. I think, I don't know. I I haven't really thought about it, Benji. I'm not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. I think Valverde crashing out's really thrown me. Um, I think I said Padun from the breakaway, and I I still kind of like that. 
Yeah, I think it's unlikely that a team will control unless we see the likes of Movistar doing something. But with a rider less than than normal, I think that's less and less likely. Now, when it comes to Bahrain, Aden was not good on stage seven. Like first climb, he was gone. Same with Tratnik. So it's really hard to think about the stage and expect something crazy to happen. It's also ah. Uh, that Alto de Castro thingy just before the final climb doesn't feel like it's a kind of climb where you can trust going for an attack to climb before. Like, it's still too far, it feels to me, for a, a leader to try something that far out. And when it comes to Ineos, I, I've kind of got the feeling that they're going to take this Alto de Villafic on as a team from the bottom, just because it's one of the relatively longer climbs compared to the ones we have in this in this Velta, and they want to try it like that. I'm, I'm not too tactically expecting something crazy on this one, I'm afraid. And I uh, do expect the breakaway to have a chance of winning the stage. And when it comes to the winner, I haven't thought about this at all, and this is a, a mistake. Like, where has Guillaume Martin been recently? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answers to the gear Martin questions. I think Bardet, if he stops going for KOM points and certainly win this stage, GSM can get everybody in the break. So why not try with him? This was a stage I was pumping up again for Bahrain to mount a raid because of that long, you know, 6K, 9% section with 60Ks to go and then a descent and a false flat climb. And But then Tratnik's not in form. And we keep hearing from Bahrain that it's still all about Lander, which... I'm sorry, it can't all be about Lander uh, at this point. There's, they have to reassess, yeah. in my view, and focus on, okay, we have to use Haig as a second attacking option. Otherwise, yesterday was pointless. And frankly, he's looking, he could be in better shape than Lander in the later stages and we will do a better final TT. We have Padun for uh, breakaways. Gino Mader, I think, is still relatively close. Uh, can he, you know, Gino Mader can win tomorrow's stage. No problem. So you have to let him go on the break. Let me just check where he's on GC. Uh, he's at 252. I, I really Carapaz, hope they... Uh, area in GC, you know. It's around Carapaz, right? 248? I hope those two have a conversation this evening and those two and, you know, maybe... Maybe JP Lopez, honestly, Benji. <laughs> so yeah. go in, seriously, go and try something on that climb and see can Roglic, he can't close everybody. Now Valverde's gone. He only had to close Mal and then stage done yesterday. Uh, do you think there's any possibility? Or if you were a DS, would you be telling any of these riders, try something on that first climb, particularly if we see Bowman or Uman not there? Ah. Uh. It's I a hard would. one on this stage. You would? If you got a rider up ahead. Get Verona up ahead again if you can. Yeah. I think that Movistar won't, won't risk it on this stage. I could be completely wrong on that, but I just think they won't risk it. And I can't blame them because they're still in a very good position in GC compared to a lot of other people that will need to attack to try and move up in GC. And I don't think those riders are good enough to make that move either. I think Landa and Carapaz slash Bernal will continue continue to bleed time to Roglic yep. if they if they just play this this uh, straight. Unless I don't see Roglic cracking on a thirteen k seven percent climb. This is a bread and butter finish in the first week. 
I would really try second options on this stage and and really put Jumbo Visma, try and put them under pressure again. We saw, we, we maybe denied seeing what could have happened yesterday because of the Valverde crash. I would try with Chino, Carapaz, uh, maybe Hague's too close now or whatever, or even Lander himself. He probably Thing is, yes. the stage starts doesn't start <clears throat> off with a climb and so forth. So I know. It has an opportunity that just a group of rulers gets away on this one. Like we saw in the Tour de France, when there's another climb at the start, a group of rulers tends to get away because the parkour is flat and those have a larger chance of getting away. So it is possible that that happens. Now, who lost time today? We've got a few riders from Lotus Hidal that lost time, three minutes. Kron Holmes, Van Hoekje and Monique. Those are four riders that could be in the breakaway tomorrow. We've got likes of Storger once again in a losing three minutes today. Berwick losing three minutes today. Piccoli. Those are two options as well to go in a breakaway on stage like this. I don't know uh, what their form is like because I haven't seen too much from them so far this race. But Roman Bardet lost four minutes today. I don't think he crashed. So perhaps, I don't know. Well, didn't crash today, I mean. Obviously, he crashed a few days ago. But is that due to the effect of the crash? Or is he now saving time to try and go in an attack in the coming days? Simon Carr lost six minutes today. He crashed. Same question. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I think he crashed. Okay. That's unfortunate because he was looking really good in DC a few days ago. But um, I can't tell you who is going to win, but I'm going to go YOLO and say Mikel Biscara because I want this guy to win a fucking <laughs> stage in this Grand Tour. I hope it's a big break with some climbers. I, I'd love to see if it's Gino Meda, that guy's that close on GC, but maybe it's guys like Schultz, Hamilton, Berwick, Vine. Vine will certainly be trying to from get to the break. How is he in GC these days? I don't know. Because I generally don't know, but I, I think, think he he's dropped, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that guy should try and go and breakaways from this point onwards. For sure. Tarame, Tarame will be trying to get in the break as well. But that's all from us on the Vuelta Stage 8 and Stage 9 preview tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to support the podcast, we saw someone trying to write LRCP on the road today. You can like the video if you're watching on YouTube or on podcast players. Give us a review. If it's five stars and it's abusive and funny, I'll probably read it out, some of the best ones, because a lot of them do make me chuckle. Um, but yeah, maybe that's not what people want to write. Maybe they want to be nice to us. I don't know, Benji. People want to be nice to you, less so to me. But we're rambling here. That's all from us today. See you tomorrow. Ciao.